we finish our first week of the Discern series focusing together on the wisdom of God. When Paul closes his tremendous letter to the Romans, he breaks into a song. It's really fitting that he do so. I mean, he's been walking for us for 16 chapters through the rescuing love of God for rebel sinners. Nothing less than a song, a doxology, a song of praise will do. He says this in Romans 16, verse 25, Now to him who, is, who has power to strengthen you. You understand, this is why we're doing this discern series. Spiritual discernment strengthens you. Strengthens you with the very power of God. And Paul says, According to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the sacred secret kept silent for so long, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic scriptures, according to the command of the eternal God, to advance the obedience of faith among all nations, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory forever. Amen. You see, the reason we're we're studying discernment is because it is an attribute of God. As a matter of fact, Paul is displaying in Romans through the gospel, through the cross, the very wisdom of God. And the, the more clearly you see it, you see his wisdom, the more intensely you admire him, just like Paul. The more intensely you trust him. See, obedience can't come out of fear. It can't come out of pride. And it's just obedience to avoid punishment. But the kind of obedience that comes from the place of trust, of love, and the humility before the wisdom of God brings consistency in your life and it brings joy in your obedience. So, as we enable the Spirit to take hold of our thoughts, then this statement, though simple, runs very deep. God is infinitely wise. Let's unpack that. Really what we're talking about is spiritual discernment is you accessing this incredible truth that God is infinitely wise. This shapes the way you look at all your trials. Even as you go through things you do not understand, you begin to trust by default instinctively you begin to trust that my God is wise. He knows what he's doing. This gives comfort. It also destroys anxiety because you don't live with a sense of dread of what's going to happen next. But you live in a sense of certainty, of assurance, of hope. But it also makes you realize that you are pretty far from his wisdom. Therefore, the the means by which we access that, that wisdom is prayer. I, I have yet to see a person who is spiritually discerning who doesn't have a vigorous prayer life, a deep prayer life. And all these things together revolutionize your life if you'll just begin to take his wisdom and receive his wisdom and access his wisdom. So we've been talking about wisdom as confidence in regards to how life really works. I want to give you another definition 
that comes from John Piper. And this is a definition that really comes from the idea of the wisdom of God. So in the Bible, wisdom is knowing the greatest goal in any situation. See, this is this is where we begin to submit and surrender our wisdom to the wisdom of God. This is where, like the Lord Jesus himself, we say, not my will, or not my goal, not my agenda, but yours be done. Why is that? Because the greatest goal is revealed in the scripture that you be conformed to the likeness of the Son of God. There's no other goal greater than that goal. So the greatest goal is defined by wisdom, by the wisdom of God. But here's the thing. Only God knows and only the wisdom of God and only as you access his wisdom will you know the best way to achieve that goal. I like this definition. Wisdom is knowing the greatest goal in any situation and the best way to achieve that goal. So in other words, it takes someone who can see the the end from the beginning, not just the beginning, but the end from the beginning, to know exactly what's going to happen. So the again, wisdom is different from knowledge, because people can have knowledge but not have wisdom. But you cannot have wisdom without knowledge, because in order to discern the best way to achieve a goal, you have to be able to bring all kinds of factors together from different sources of knowledge, different sources of experience. I mean, for many of us, one of our life, our life verses, many of us, trust in the Lord. With all your heart. Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will direct your path. Or He will make straight your path. I mean, what this is, what this is really saying, and what wisdom, true you know, spiritual discernment, recognizes my wisdom and God's wisdom are on completely different planes and dimensions. A way of analogy would be to say that this is a healthy, in a healthy child-parent relationship, the wisdom of a child is nowhere near the wisdom of the parent. But if it's unhealthy, of course, it's a different story. But I remember hearing Corey Tim Boom talk about the time just before... Um, really the the uh, Nazis took her family to the concentration camps. See, she, her family as Christians hid Jewish people in their home from the Nazis, and that was illegal. And she was afraid. She asked her father, I don't know if I have the strength to handle this. And her father said, when do I give you the tickets for the train? And she said, right before I get on the train. She said, you know, the train, does the tra- is it always the right train? Does it take you to the right destination? And she said, yes, Father. And he, and he said to her, well, your Heavenly Father knows just when to give you the tickets for the train. And because she trusted so much the wisdom of her Father, she could transfer that trust to her Heavenly Father. This is one of the biggest one of the biggest aspects of having a standing before God, this is one of the biggest aspects of having prayer answered, is that you know that you're in a child-parent relationship and that your wisdom and your knowledge is 
is utterly dependent on his wisdom and his knowledge. So this this idea of learning discernment then has everything to do with what you think and what you attribute to God. Listen to the psalmist. He's straightforward in Psalm 147.5. His understanding is infinite. Listen to Jeremiah. Praise to the great and mighty God whose name is the Lord of hosts, the one great in counsel and mighty indeed. Great in counsel, mighty indeed, whose eyes are on all the ways of the sons of men in order to give to each person according to his ways and the results result of his deeds. That's Jeremiah thirty two nineteen. You see, God is at work in your life. You need his counsel. He doesn't need yours. Listen what Daniel says about God's wisdom. He changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and established kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. Nothing is ever a mystery to God. He's not disappointed. He's not confused. He's not puzzled. Paul, even before he gets to the doxology of chapter 16, breaks forth into praise in chapter 11. Oh, the depths of the riches both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has ever first given to him and has to be repaid for from him? Everything we are, everything we have, everything that's worth having, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. See, what the apostle is saying here is that you can't just, in, in, in a quick fashion, in an, in an uncommitted fashion, without devotion, just come to God and say, what is your will? His ways are unsearchable. His, his judgments are not things you can easily understand. Think about the many times, at least in my life, I've said, why did this have to happen, God? Why did it happen this way? And, and no answer came. Well, well the, the Apostle Paul is saying, it's because I wouldn't understand the answer. I couldn't understand the answer. God's wisdom is so deep that it's over my head. It's so deep. I can't be his counselor. He has to be my counselor. God, God, according to the Apostle Paul, is, is in his wisdom doing what is the best to achieve the best objectives that anybody could have for you. Listen to what it says. Everything in your life, everything in my life is for, is from him, it's through him, and it's to him are all things. Everything he does is perfectly wise. God does not need upgrades. He does or he wills always the best possible move that can be made. And God does all this all the time with the, without the least strain and without crashing or burning out in any way. 
this is one of the problems that we have is that we are constantly not understanding how he's accomplishing what's best for us. So we're constantly asking why instead of instinctively saying he has done this in his wisdom. One writer said it this way, what he could have permitted in his strength, I said it wrong, what he could have prevented in his strength, he has permitted in his wisdom. This is so important. What you and I look at things and say, well, you could have stopped that. You could have kept that from happening. But his wisdom has to step into this, and you and I have to begin to say, okay, yes, in his power, he could have prevented that. But in his wisdom, he has permitted that, and nothing is hidden from God. And his own judgments are unsearchable. So he is accomplishing the best goals in the best possible way, and his goals are wise and infinitely good. So do we trust him? That's really the question. Even when I don't understand it, do I trust him? So here is one quote that I said the other day that I think bears repeating. The wisdom of God tells us that God will bring about the best possible results by the best possible means for the most possible people for the longest possible time. All we have to do, and, and I often do this, is we go back to the life of Joseph. Time after time, after initially having this amazing dream from God and revelation from God that he was going to be favored and blessed, Joseph gets sold into slavery, he gets thrown into prison, he gets forgotten. All of these things happen to him, and yet when he's explaining it to his brothers, who were the initial ones who wanted to kill him and throw him into slavery, he explains it this way. What you intended for evil, God was working for good. And that idea working, really, friends, it's, it's God was weaving it. God was fashioning it. God was working behind the scenes. This is exactly what this quote says. I don't know the best possible results, but I can trust the wisdom of God. And so if he knows what the best possible results are, then he's going to use the best possible means. But here's the interesting thing. Not only did God raise up Joseph, but Joseph saw the hand of God and said, he did this, he sent me ahead of you, his brothers, his father, his family, his tribe. He sent me ahead of you in order to save you. So not only did God raise Joseph up in the best possible way, but he saved the... <laughs> the greatest possible group of people for the longest possible time. We're still reading about the story of Joseph. Here's, here's the application. You've got to begin to apply this to your life. You don't know what you're going through right now but you can, or, or what the end result will be or even when it will be over. But you can believe that what you're going through will produce the best possible results. And it will, and he, God is using the best possible means, and he's not just doing it for you, but doing it for weaving this good for all these people around you, and it's going to have the longest lasting effects. Well, if I'm going to believe this, and I'm going to live in this, then I've got to keep nurturing my soul with the word of God. 
Spiritual discernment does not happen without without a, a marinating of the heart, marinating of the mind, marinating of the soul in the Word of God. I've been quoting Psalm 19.7. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making wise the simple, making the inexperienced wise. See, nothing can match the Scriptures because God reveals his wisdom in the Scriptures. And the more you sink your roots into God's Word, the more wisdom will mark your life. But it's more personal even. It's not just studying God's Word. James makes this clear. Listen. He says you need to ask for wisdom. Listen what he says. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. Now, here's, here's where faith really comes in. I ask, and then James says, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to you if you ask, James says. But then he says this, but let him ask in faith. In other words, he gives wisdom to the wise. Those who step in and ask by faith will receive wisdom. Without doubting, he says. For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. In other words, you're not coming to God to get a second opinion. You're coming to God and saying, Overwrite your wisdom on my heart, O Lord. Whatever you show me, I will follow. A.W. Tozer is one of the great writers of, of Christian uh, devotion. In his book called The Knowledge of the Holy, again, he, he points to the fact that if you really want to grow in spiritual discernment, you have to understand the attribute of God, particularly his wisdom. So here's what he says. To believe actively that our Heavenly Father constantly spreads around us providential circumstances that work for our present good and at the same time for our everlasting well-being brings to the soul a benediction, in other words, a blessing, a sense of favor. See, most of us go through life praying a little, planning a little, jockeying for position, hoping but never being quite certain of anything, and always secretly afraid that we will miss the way. This is a tragic waste of truth and never gives rest to the heart. There is a better way. It is to repudiate our own wisdom and take instead the infinite wisdom of God. God has charged himself with full responsibility for our eternal happiness and stands ready to take over the management of our lives the moment we turn in faith to him. It is so interesting the moments that happen where we're not just resigning that we don't know what to do or we don't know what's happening where you just kind of lose hope and those moments where you actually yield yourself to the wisdom of God and you begin to believe and you begin to rise up in understanding. I can remember so many times where the Lord just met me in a crisis where I didn't know what to do, but I yielded myself. I surrendered myself to do. I said, Lord, I don't know what to do, but you do. Show me. Give me wisdom, like James said. And then whatever he showed me, I acted upon and what I've learned is God leads the way I respond. Even when I don't understand exactly what's happening or what the results are going to be, I trust in his ultimate goal, not only of my eternal happiness, but of that conformity, that transformation that's happening 
program becoming more and more like Jesus. Now, on these Fridays for the next few weeks, Lisa has given us in our workbook a practice for discernment. And she's taken us each, each week to Romans 12. Now, this fits perfectly with what I've been sharing, is that if you know the wisdom of God, and you know you want the wisdom of God, then Paul in Romans 12, 1 and 2, where he says, Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And then he says, And by that you will discern the will of God. In the testing, he says, you will discern the will of God, and you'll discern that the will of God is good, it's acceptable, and perfect. In other words, that the best possible results in the best possible way for the best, you know, best possible, you know, range of people and the best possible eternal consequences. So that's what Paul is saying, but he's saying that this is a practice, like we've been saying, you have to have a practice art. This is a practice that you have to begin in your own life. This is something you decide. You see, I appeal to you, Paul says, by the mercies of God, present your body. As we become aware of what God has done for us, discernment begins. God's will is only perceived, Paul has said, as we are in active dependence on him. Tim Keller talked about people coming to him and saying, you know, I need to know the will of God for this decision or that decision. You know, who to marry, what career to take, what, you know, what job to, whether to switch jobs or not, move or not. All of these different decisions that come up and they come to Pastor Keller and they say, how do I discern the will of God? And their desire is that they would have a specific prayer, they go to a specific verse, and they would know exactly what God wanted them to do. And Keller says, I always frustrate them. He says, because this is a learned discernment. It's not cheap. It costs you. It's not quick. It takes time. So the idea here is that, for one, you have to begin to see where your whole life is very fear-based. You see, fear-based obedience limits yourself to only figuring out, well, what are the rules? What are the precepts? What are the regulations? It's not sustainable for a really loving, wise relationship with God. Godly discernment has to flow out of a place of love and humility, which is expressed in active and positive realizing what God has already done for us and believing in what he will do for us as we go forward, which is really it's the foundation of trust, trust in the Lord. With all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. That's the idea. So we we can actively begin to put ourselves in position to displace mistrust and to replace that with real trust. So Paul says this: present your body as a living sacrifice to God. God wants visible, lived out bodily evidence that our lives are built on His mercy. Paul says before. We present our mind or our heart to God, we should present our body. Romans 6 explains that before we knew Jesus, we were just presenting our bodies to sin and we became slaves to sin. Now, Paul is saying, because of what God has done for us in Christ, we have the opportunity to present our body to Christ. So, sometime today, there's, Lisa has provided a spiritual 
discernment practice to where you can present your body to Christ. It has steps so that you can walk it out, so you can begin to get yourself tuned to this spiritual discernment practice and discipline. So first here, you need a piece of paper, and on that piece of paper you need to write out one or two, it could be more than that, one or two places where you know you need spiritual discernment now. Then, and, and this is important that you write this out. You've got to engage your body, not just not just inside, you know, quiet thinking, but but write to engage your body. Then find a comfortable place where you can sit, and then read through Romans twelve one and two a number of times. I would even recommend that on the same paper where you wrote down your 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 places where you need spiritual discernment, I would suggest that you write out Romans 12, 1 and 2. There's something that happens uh, to the brain that helps you uh, process this better by writing it out. Then, as you finish that, then just calm yourself with a few breaths and just let your mind hear, let your spirit focus on all that God has already done for you. Paul says, therefore. So he's says, before you present your body, know what Christ has done for you. And this will increase your, your capacity because now you ask the Holy Spirit to meet you in these two verses and use these steps to increase your capacity for spiritual discernment. Then actively present your body to God. Um, again, positioning matters. You might want to kneel. You might want to lift your hands up. You might want to stand. Or if just sitting quietly and offering yourself to God is, is the way for you, then do it. But the idea is full surrender, a posture of surrender. First begin thanking God for all he's done. See, a surrendered heart is a grateful heart. Spiritual discernment is the recognition of when and how God is at work in your life. So being able to thank God for what he's already done for you builds spiritual muscles. Thanksgiving builds spiritual muscles. Recognizing what he's done in the past will help you recognize what God is doing here and now. Remember, we're training ourselves. Hebrews says to discern good and evil. Good is simple. Good is of God, and good draws you to God. Evil is more complex. It can look good, but it's not of God, and it takes you away from God. So now, in that posture, decide, I will be a living sacrifice, holy sacrifice. This is true worship. And then if there's any behavior in your life that doesn't conform, repent of it. Confess it to God. Recognize it doesn't conform. And then ask God to transform you into a new person with a renewed mind, with renewed ways of thinking. Then you will learn. You see, as you do this, as you posture yourself, as you position yourself, you will grow in your capacity to know God's will for you, and that will is always good, pleasing, and perfect. Others may intend it for evil, but God intends it for good. He knows how to get the greatest objectives accomplished in your life, and he knows the perfect way to get those objectives done. This is the call on your life to discern what is the will of God, what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God.